Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. From KYW News Radio 1039 FM, this is Bridging Philly, connecting our communities on the issues that matter to you. Presented by Gift of Life Donor Program. Organ donors save lives. Hello, I'm Raquel Williams. Welcome to Bridging Philly. The maternal health disparities for women should see improvements in New Jersey after a bill recently signed by Governor Murphy ensures every mother the right to a doula in a hospital or birthing center in the state, and also that doulas have full access. I sit with New Jersey First Lady Tammy Murphy to discuss the expansion of the doula bill. When doulas are involved, we reduce birth complications, we lower rates of C-sections. Charity Howard explores the bond between parent and child through music. The Lullaby Project is a program that serves parents and caregivers of small children who will create a lullaby. All that's coming up on Bridging Philly. This is Bridging Philly from KYW News Radio 1039 FM. Talking now with New Jersey First Lady Tammy Murphy on the expansion of the doula bill in New Jersey. So now every mother has the right to a doula in a hospital or birthing center in the state. This, of course, is exciting news. Tell me about your initial feelings. Thank you for having me, Raquel. This is just another great step. We've passed over 60 pieces of legislation since the beginning of our efforts in this space. And I would say that we're trying to be as responsive and ensure that there is equity across our state. But we are trying to be as responsive as possible as we can to the community and our partners on the ground. And in this instance, uh, we have heard directly from the doulas and the doula community, um, the community doulas in particular, about their need for this legislation, um, which we're just so excited because it's, uh, you know, just another milestone for us. Now, I know that you've always been a champion for healthy babies and helping mothers with healthy outcomes. Talk about the role that doulas play in reducing maternal mortality disparities. They're embedded in the community. They know the families. They are people who are culturally competent. And I think that that is really important to understand. Um, It's been proven that when doulas are involved, we reduce birth complications, we lower rates of C-sections, we just um, generally improve mother's health and provide overall essential support and delivery during the birthing process. And it's also important to note that doulas actually follow mothers throughout pregnancy, birth, and postpartum. And we know that there are complications that can actually take place in all of those areas. So that's important to note as well. Yeah, no, it is important. And, you know, most of the maternal mortalities occur after delivery. Um, Most people don't realize that. And the doulas, you know, they... They're literally kind of a liaison with the doctors or the midwives, wherever the uh, mom is delivering, enabling and ensuring that the birthing plan is being followed and ensuring that, you know, the moms are being heard. Because we know from so many situations that moms just uh, many times are just overlooked and doctors just plow ahead thinking they're doing the right thing. I'm not saying the doctors are doing anything bad, but doulas just help elevate the mom's voices. Is there a greater demand for doulas in New Jersey right now? There is. In fact, uh, you know, we 
started out um, in New Jersey with very few doulas. I'm very happy today we have 260 doulas that are state trained and there's many more beyond that, but there is certainly a growing need and request for doulas. And again, because the outcomes are so strong, I think that it's very smart of our moms to make sure that they uh, have access to a doula. Now, the community doulas were first designated in Trenton, Camden, and also Newark. Can you talk about the reasons why we put those doulas in those particular areas? We worked with certain training modules on the ground and we did pilot programs, but really everything that we've been trying to do since day one is to tackle the inequities that exist across our state. And so by going into those particular spots, we are really trying to hit those where the statistics and the metrics are at the worst. Understand. Now, I know that there were also concerns about the doulas being completely supported, being paid well. What strides have the state made in those particular areas? So first of all, um, I want to just go back a minute on this particular bill. This particular bill, I would say to you, um, in my opinion, is a byproduct of COVID. If you're ever looking for a silver lining with respect to COVID, I would say this is one. Because during COVID, doulas, community doulas were... Uh, serially denied access to hospitals and birthing centers. And doulas, um, their involvement is so important that the administration mandated during COVID that doulas had to be considered part of the healthcare team. And that is a great thing. Uh, after COVID, the community doulas started saying, you know what, there, there's unequal access in hospitals and birthing centers. Some let us in, some don't let us in. We don't know what their policies are. We don't have a contact point. So that's exactly what this bill is targeting. And it's a little bit going back to COVID because we're basically just clarifying and institutionalizing something that came up during COVID that we you know, thought was an intelligent response. And now because this bill passed unanimously, during lame duck through both the Senate and the Assembly, it just goes to show how really strong this particular bill is. But I wanted to give you that little bit of background. You know, we have tried to elevate doulas. We have uh, a doula collaborative. We're trying to expand the workforce. We are trying to make sure they're paid properly um, with Medicaid reimbursements. We are um, the third state in the nation to uh, provide Medicaid reimbursement um, for doula care. So there's a lot of pieces to this puzzle that we've been working on and we will continue. There's much more we can do and we will be dogged in our determination to um, expand access, to ensure there's equity, and also to um, make sure that our doulas feel respected and that our moms are getting the best possible care they can get. You talked about the growing need for doulas. I just want to talk about the Doula Learning Collaborative. And I understand that the state is actually trying to increase the community doula workforce. If you could talk a bit about that. We've not only gone out with pilot programs, but we've now created an entire collaborative where doulas know what steps they have to go to, what training they have to go through. Um, we support them through the state. And we are just trying to expand that as much as we can. And we will continue. Bridging Philly continues in a moment. Back to Bridging Philly from KYW News Radio 1039 FM. I also wanted to talk about the disparities that exist, especially in the black community. The statistics are just alarming, they're saddening. 
Talk about the pregnancy-related complications and the mortality rate in the Black communities specifically. It's really terrible. Uh, So I would take you back a little bit to when my husband first came into office in 2018. We learned that New Jersey was 47th in the country for maternal mortality rates. That's 47th out of 50th. We are the medicine cabinet of America. We have an incredible health system here in New Jersey. So it was really something that being a mother of four and Phil being a father of four, we thought this is something we had to fix. So I very naively entered this space thinking it's got to be access to prenatal care. You know, this is pretty straightforward. We just have to fix this. And so for the first year being on the ground, just talking to moms up and down the state and all stakeholders then who are now partners now um, about what are the root causes of this and what is going on. And it became pretty clear pretty quickly um, that the inequities were the root cause and systemic racism. So if you are a black woman in New Jersey, you are seven times more likely than a white woman to die from maternity related complications. And if you're a black baby, you're three times more likely than a white baby to die before your first birthday. So once you know those, you can't forget that. So I know that, but for the color of my skin, that could have been me uh, or one of my children. And so um, this has been something that, you know, I leaned in on very hard. I have a fabulous all-female team that works together with me. And we have been um, really deliberately on the ground, convening people, bringing resources to the point of contact. My husband's actually signed over 60 pieces of legislation in this space since he came into office. That's not by accident. That is something that we really have targeted, but we have a strategic plan that we released in January of 2021 that has over 70 specific action steps. To date, we have either started or completed over half of those. And it's no surprise Uh, as a consequence that between 2018 or really 2021, when we started implementing our strategic plan, that we have gone from 47th in the country for maternal mortalities to 27th. Uh, So we are on the right trajectory. We have a lot more work to do. We're still in the bottom half of the country, but moving up 20 spots in just a few years is really something to be proud of. I think it's given everybody who's involved that momentum and that really, we know we can do this. We will make New Jersey the safest and most equitable state in the nation to deliver and raise a baby. So we just have to carry on um, on this path and be open-minded when we can come up with you know, solutions like this one that might not be specific in the strategic plan. I mean, it, it's related to the strategic plan, but might not be a specific recommendation. It's all the better because it's making sure that we are being responsive, that we're being proactive, and we're doing literally everything in our power. Much appreciated, of course. And finally, Mrs. Murphy, since we're on the subject, I know that Nurture New Jersey is something that you spearheaded as well. What exactly is Nurture New Jersey? Specifically, we want to reduce maternal mortality rates by 50% over five years and ensure there's equity in health outcomes. Um, Because some states have tackled the reduction of maternal mortality rates, but they've ignored the inequity piece. So we are benefiting Uh, by having looked around and seeing best practices on the ground, both in the United States and overseas, in all honesty. Um, So Nurture NJ, it's the umbrella organization under which all of these efforts that we are taking and steps we are uh, making to move the needle in this space. And it includes everything from strategic plan, which I shared with you. Uh, We have something called family festivals. That's a cross between a block party and a book fair where we actually bring state, county, and local resources to 
a point of contact. We go to a school and we will set up tables. We will bring probably somewhere between 50 and you know 120 different providers that will cover everything from transportation to housing to childcare, adoption services. I mean, you name it. It's kind of everything. So we've had 19 of those, which is fantastic. That's touched over nearly 7,000 families. Uh, we have, um, when I started out in this effort, we had two departments and agencies within the administration that working alongside us. We now have 21. So we have quarterly interdepartmental uh, meetings where we compare notes and talk about programs that are being enacted and what the outcomes are and benchmarks. And that includes everything, Raquel, from Department of Corrections on the one hand to Department of Health to Treasury, banking and insurance. I mean, it runs the gamut. You can imagine with 21 different departments and agencies. And we also hold an annual Black Infant and Maternal Health Summit, where we bring together partners and stakeholders from across the state. We have hundreds who join for that. And the interesting piece there is that we, you know, if we have, we'll have legislators on the one hand, we'll have doulas, we'll have moms, we'll have, you know, uh, insurance providers. It's a whole mishmash of people who have a stake in this space. And then what we do is we mix them up even further. We send them off, you know, we'll put a legislator next to a mom, next to an OBGYN, and we put them in a room together and we assign questions and they have to debate the questions and the answers. And it's been fascinating to watch. Um, And then they come out and present. And then we take all those ideas each year away and we think, okay, how can we help Or is that a good idea? Should we really consider that? Or how can we develop that even further? So there are myriad pieces to Nurture NJ. We also just launched Universal Nurse Home Visitation, uh, which started very um, appropriately, I would say. We uh, unveiled it and rolled it out for Martin Luther King Day. uh, And that is a game changer. That's sending a nurse into a home uh, within two weeks after delivery, whether that baby is stillborn, adopted, or is healthy. Um, and that's a really fabulous and exciting model, um, most robust in the country and, and holds great promise for reducing stigma and ensuring that we are going to the point of contact. The other thing to keep an eye out for is that we are building out an innovation and health center in Trenton. Uh, Trenton is a food desert, is a birthing desert. And this is going to be another really spectacular way to ensure that beyond this administration, that all of the work that we're doing, it doesn't just fall down a rabbit hole and it will carry on with great leadership purpose. Um, my husband signed a bill making an authority. So this will exist. It's the first authority of its kind in the country. Those are some of the kind of highlights, if I were going to name a few. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Mrs. Murphy, for leaning into this and all the work that you're doing. This is such important work, especially in South Jersey. Thank you, Raquel. Raquel, one last thing. If anybody out there would like to learn more about how to find a doula, how to get a doula, or anything about the programs that we're working on, then please tell them to go to nj.gov backslash connecting NJ. Of course. New Jersey First Lady and U.S. Senate candidate, Tammy Murphy. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks for having me. Rancha Dickerson is a doula, and she's founder of Community Doulas of South Jersey. Rancha, how long have you been a doula? I've been practicing as a doula for at least now 19 years. I've been certified currently now for 
of those 19 years, nine years. And I'm duly certified between Kappa and also Uzazi Village. Okay. So now this signing of the doula access bill in New Jersey is a pretty big deal. And I understand that there are now 260 doulas throughout the state, which is tremendous. Talk about the work of doulas in hospitals and birthing centers and how important it is for doulas to have full access and for all mothers to have access to do this as well. Yeah. So the growth of doulas in New Jersey is critical. I'll tell you the truth, Raquel, when I first became a doula, it was hard to find doulas that looked like me. I couldn't find a black doula. For me personally, I've never had a doula. I never birthed with a doula. That process of not being able to find a doula or a network of doula back when I was giving birth to my children in the mid 90s to the early 2000s. Now me being a part of building a doula network in Camden, New Jersey, in Atlantic City, in Southern New Jersey, that reflects the community, the population that we serve. So we know the numbers of being, you know, Black women that are dying rapidly on tables because of the lack of value of their voices, the lack of total true care became alarming to us. So having more doulas now that we've trained under Community Doula South Jersey that we've been able to have access to that are women of color, particularly Black doulas, has been a tremendous appall around the state because now women feel as though they can find someone who reflects them and has some cultural connection to who they are and what they do. As far as access to the hospital, this has been difficult. It's not been the easiest flow of getting doulas from emergency to triage up into the labor and delivery unit, because every hospital has their own kind of like autonomy on how they apply it. So it can be today I'm over at one hospital and they have amazing doula policy where they're saying, oh, we love doulas. Come on in. We have all the birthing tools here. Uh, If you need anything, you can go down to the nurse's lounge and do this. We love that you're here. Then we have many more that are like, we need your ID. We need to know uh, where you were trained from. We need to know these things. And and I'm not going to name these hospitals, but they have been uh, constant and frequent flyers of being really cruel to doulas. One thing that we want to make clear through this process as we were going through this with uh, the First Lady's Office, with the Department of Health, with the governor, was that doulas have to be considered as a part of the care team. We are not the plus one. The plus one is someone's beloved, someone's grandmother, someone's child that wants to be there for birth, their husband, their mate, their partner. That's who the plus one is. But doulas are a part of care team. We fit right in with the obstetrician, with the nurse, with the lactation consultant, we are a part of that team. And once hospitals start to see that as a part of, oh no, they're on our side. I can't say that the Department of Health or the First Lady's Office knew all the details, but they did give us access to say, if you're running to a problem, call us and we can help. So this dual access bill is a step in the right direction, but we're prayerful that it will start to kind of tap down on or break down the chains that have been locked in the hospitals and their policies that's embedded in the walls of those hospitals. When they see Black women come through the door, and maybe we don't have on, Raquel, the proper nursing uniform, the judgment starts. So we can just have a dual shirt on and a pair of nursing pants. And it's looked upon like they don't come in uniform. Like you hear these things are hurtful. So to sum it up, yes, the access bill is a great step in the right direction. But I'm praying that with this bill, it doesn't create a larger amount of underlining issues that's going to come up and also some sub things that hospitals start saying, well, we're saying yes to access, but we're going to make access even harder, if that makes sense. Like we'll make it's like kind of like a throw a poison pill in the access, for example. Duels can come in. However, we're asking all duels to wear a certain thing. Or doulas can come in and we're asking doulas to make sure that they identify themselves with a huge badge when it says doula 
and they cannot come up for maybe two hours until we get the patient settled. These are things that come up and people don't realize that an access bill will give you entrance, but it may not also deal with the issues that can come up in each hospital that has different policies on their own. Hopefully, as these things pop up, we'll be able to knock some of them down. Access being one thing and being able to stay with the mother from the beginning to the end, of course, is important. So let's finally talk about the impact that doulas have had on outcomes in New Jersey. I understand that back in 2018, New Jersey ranked 47th in the nation for maternal mortality rates. And now since the implementation of community doulas, it's at 27. So obviously, it's been making an impact. Talk about the work of the doulas and how you're actually helping mothers through the birth process and beyond. Yeah, so those stats are real. And I appreciate New Jersey for, you know, saying that we need to do better. Um, I also appreciate New Jersey for naming it that I think that Mrs. Murphy did a great job of naming when I first first met her in our first year, we started the pilot program. She made a statement about, you know, I'm a white woman, and I've had beautiful birthing experiences. He said, I'm not standing here as a white woman standing here as a mother who feels that every woman inside this room should have the same experiences and better. So that's what kind of opened the door for us, knowing that her heart was in the place of that she understood her privilege, but she also understood that she can be an advocate to make sure that every woman in New Jersey, particularly underscoring Black women, have a beautiful, healthy experience. And we're not seeing more Black women dying on the table. We can make a big difference inside the room. Our impact is simple. It's kind of like on the, the energy of, number one, having a doula in the room. We have a 10% decrease in using the use of pain medication. decrease in the use of Pitocin, 34% decrease in negative birth experiences. We can actually shorten labor about 40 minutes. This is stats that have been given by the the VBAC link. And then we have a 15% increase in spontaneous vaginal births and then 34% um, higher rate of breastfeeding. And then we also can be 39% of the support of fewer cesareans. So when you have a dual in the room, just sitting there, being there, hearing your voice, working with you for comfort measures, trying different ways to get you to get baby to come down and be birthed, you feel like you've got an advocate that understands that this person is here for me and my team. That team can look like my husband, my partner, whoever that is, and also for my family so we can get out of this situation safe and we can have a beautiful story to tell. That's the goal here. One of the most amazing moments in every woman's life is the joy of giving birth. But when we look at some of the stats that come back, particularly from the Black community, it's horror stories. So having a doula inside the space can also create these benefits of doula care that come out of it by way of meeting our clients early, maybe in the first, in the prenatal stage of, you know, 18 weeks or so, and maybe even up to the day they're going to deliver. But at least having someone in the room who can support you when you are not sure or uncertain is the way to go. And that's why we believe that doula care is so critical in this moment in the state of New Jersey and across the country. Roncha Dickerson, thank you so much for joining us on Bridging Philly. Thanks for calling. And of course, we can learn more at communitydoulasofsouthjersey.com. Bridging Philly continues in a moment. Back to Bridging Philly, connecting our communities on the issues that matter to you. The Lullaby Project in Philadelphia helps parents write songs about their newborns by pairing them with local professional musicians. The result is a strong bond supporting maternal health. Let's learn more with the latest Shara in the City. 
These aren't your traditional lullabies, but Philly musician Bethlehem Roberson explains her work with the Philadelphia Lullaby Project is about parents connecting with their children. Lullabies back in the day, we didn't really pay attention to the lyrics because the melody was so sweet. Ring around the rosy. Goodbye, baby. But she says the lyrics in each song composed by musicians, parents, and caregivers are carefully thought out and very personal. When creating lullabies with my caregivers and parents, I'm very intentional about the messaging. Now, Leslie Mercado, Senior Director of Programming at Musicopia, explains the project is a public expression of love. The Lullaby Project serves parents and caregivers of small children, 18 to 36 months. They create a lullaby together with a teaching artist. The idea is that they're working with a professional who is helping them to put into words how they feel about their children. Now tell me about Musicopia. Musicopia is celebrating its 50th anniversary. Uh, We've been around a long time and we do a ton of programming all throughout the city of Philadelphia and beyond um, into Jersey and Delaware and all five counties into the suburbs out, you know, everywhere. You really touch out. There's this branching situation that you guys got going on that the community really loves. Yes. um, And I think that the quantity of programming that we do, obviously the quality is there, but the quantity is substantial. And I don't think people necessarily know that from the outset. We teach around 25,000 kids every year with over 5,000 programs. With the goal of what? The goal is access. That is sort of the fundamental thing, that the underpinning of all of our programming. Um, It's about providing access to music and dance education for kids that wouldn't normally have that access. But it's also about providing global awareness, giving high-quality musical instruction, and bringing joy, and giving alternative uh, you know, outlets and career paths to, to students as well. And anyone can participate, really, any kid. If they're interested in music, they can do this. Yeah. Well, the ways that we deliver programming, a lot of it is through schools. So the kids in those schools are the ones that get the programming. But there are lots of different types of programs. Um, Our string orchestra, the Musicopia String Orchestra, is free, tuition free, and it's for anybody that wants to participate. They can audition. um, And if they have the, you know, required skill level, then they're admitted. Um, We also have drumline programs. I believe it's 14 at the moment, and those are all high school-based, but we also participate in the regional drumlines in collaboration with the School District of Philadelphia, and those are open to anyone as well that want to participate that are in the city of Philadelphia. I really love it. What I really am into right now is the lullaby program. Can you talk about that a little bit? Sure. So this past spring, we partnered with Carnegie Hall, uh, who spearheaded this program. They've been doing it, I think, about 10 years, and they're in many countries. I think it might even be 50 countries. So this is global. This is big time. It's big time, and it's global, and they're um, looking for ways to bring it to other corners of the earth, and we happen to be the Philadelphia partner that's doing that together with them. Um, It's a little bit different. It's funded by the William Penn Foundation, um, which is why it's taking place in Philadelphia, and um, Carnegie came to us last spring looking for a partner to facilitate the project. So let's talk about the project. What is the project? So the Lullaby Project is a program that serves parents and caregivers of small children, 18 to 36 months, who will go through a program where they create a lullaby. What's the goal? The goal is to create a deeper bond with the children. And they do that through music. 
um, which in some cases they have no experience with music or they have lots of experience with music. And in these kind of very fragile months when, you know, they're very small um, and it can be a very difficult time for parents. Um, they're, you know, stressed out. And this is sort of a nice, sweet opportunity to do something really loving and thoughtful for their children. So you wanted this goal, but what are you seeing? What's something that surprised you? Huh. Um, the things that we're seeing is the parents and caregivers are sort of becoming very vulnerable in these settings. The thing that was shocking to me is some of the sort of very personal things that people shared with a group of relative strangers. But, uh, you know, we've heard some very sort of, you know, traumatic things, some births, some deaths, some, you know, other types of trauma. And they come out because I think when they're talking about their very small children, it's a vulnerable place to be. And somehow the Lullaby Project really immediately accesses that. In some cases, there's only a few sessions, but they go right there, right from the start. So this all culminates to what? The way that it culminates is that the families get together in the first session, sometimes over Zoom, sometimes in person, and they meet as a group. So they feel comfortable. Um, they're doing some singing activities, some, you know, activities together with their children. And um, throughout the course of the program, they work one-on-one with their teaching artists to develop the content. And at the end, they culminate the opportunity to be able to actually present it to their cohort. Um, and we're really excited about this next one, February 3rd, where we'll be presenting a selection of lullabies from the past few cohorts to the greater public. So, you know, many people will be able to get to see it. And I think the audience becomes a part of that community because this sort of larger performance is a larger community where they're also sharing a lot of vulnerability and it creates that sense of closeness. Thanks for joining us for Bridging Philly, brought to you by Gift of Life Donor Program. Organ donors save lives. For Sharaday Howard and our producer, Patty McMahon, I'm Raquel Williams. Be well. Be well.